Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. This is episode number 14 of our third season. A couple of quick show notes. The Storytellers debuts live on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. on the Fiat Ministry Network on Facebook Live and YouTube, and at 6.15 p.m. at Tony Agnesi on my Facebook Live and YouTube pages. Uh, the radio program, which is in its third season, airs at 4 p.m. on the Living Bread Radio Network, and we are just honored to and happy to be back with the Living Bread Radio Network for another season. And for the second year here in my hometown, Wadsworth Community Radio airs the show at 10 a.m. and 4, uh, excuse me, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. on Sundays. I want to remind everyone listening of my new YouTube video series. It's called Five Minutes with Tony, and it's on my YouTube page, at Tony Agnesi. We post a new reflection every Monday and Thursday. And if you go to youtube.com slash Tony Agnesi and subscribe, you won't miss a single one. Well, each week on the program, we feature an inspirational guest discussing not only their personal faith journey, but the ministries that they share as authors and speakers, bloggers, and radio and television hosts. Today's uh, uh, show, we feature Christina Chase. Christina is a blogger and an author of spiritual reflections, nonfiction, poetry. She has a wonderful uh, a website, authorchristinachase.com, where she shares many of those reflections. But today, we're also going to talk about her new book, it's Good to Be Here, and it's published by Sophia Institute Press, A Disabled Woman's Reflection on God in the Flesh and the Sacred Wonder of Being Human. And uh, Christina just reminded me that we met, I think it was three or four years ago, at the Catholic Writers Guild uh, convention, and uh, it was uh, wonderful that, uh, that you mentioned that. That uh, made my day. Christina, welcome to the Storytellers. Thank you. It's good to be here. I, uh, I I wanted to to you know really start by seeing if you might share uh, your personal journey. You're you're, you're obviously uh, you you're in a wheelchair and and your personal journey not only physically and, and growing up uh, into adulthood but your faith journey as well. That would be um, uh, something I think that would really help set the stage to talk about your book. Sure, sort of a story of my body and story of my soul, sort of it. <laughs> Good way to put it. Quickly with the body, I have a genetic progressive disease called spinal muscular atrophy. So I was a healthy looking baby, but then I started to, like, my legs were floppy. I never walked. Um, my parents got the diagnosis when I was two, and they were told that I would get progressively weaker uh, I would develop severe scoliosis, which is certainly true. Uh, my lungs would be compromised, which you can tell by my breathing, and that I probably would not live to be a teenager. That was a common prognosis back then. So they were pretty devastated. Um, didn't know that they could handle it, but they have, by the grace of God, and with a lot of love, have always known that I'm loved. And I was raised um, in the Catholic Church. Uh, my sister, I have an older sister. She and I went to CCD, you know, on Saturday mornings. Uh, and, but we didn't really learn that much from our religious ed from the parish, kind of a watered down, you know, version of the faith. And of course I was young. 
and I stopped going when I was about nine or 10 because it was physically demanding for me. And nobody really thought much about it. You know, I'd made my first communion. I was a smiling, generally content little girl in a wheelchair. I was sure to go straight to heaven. What did I need to know about matters of faith? But I was and am a very curious person in more ways than one. Um, I have a great curiosity and had a lot of questions. I didn't really get a lot of answers. Uh, you know, I got the, well, it's a mystery and some things like that. And I thought, I need to know more. I need details. So when I was a teenager and it really started my my faith explorations after high school. Um, I didn't go to college again for physical reasons. And I explored uh, mythology, comparative mythology. Um, to make a very long story short, I was briefly an atheist, not because of any anger or bitterness, because I, I really love life. Like I said, I've always known that I'm loved. I, I enjoy the extraordinary beauty of ordinary things, and I'm grateful for life. But I wanted to know the truth. I want to know what is real. I love reality. And, you know, you hear so much out there in the world about religion being a myth, being a fairy tale. And I thought, is that true? I didn't want to believe in God out of fear, you know, fear that I was going to die and I wanted the comfort of heaven or fear that my little life was insignificant and I needed some story to make me feel better about myself, you know? So I thought, well, I'm going to stop believing in God. And sadly, that was much easier um, than you might think it would be. Uh, and I had to get rid of all the little habits that you have, that I had and became an atheist, but then you know, I was pretty happy because I could be as selfish as I wanted to be as an atheist. Dude, that was like all about me. I am the center of the universe. <laughs> um, but then one day I was sitting beneath a great barber, very still and silent. And just listening to the sounds and kind of peeling back layers of sounds. I don't want to get into that story too much because it's very involved. But... Um, at one point I became just suddenly aware of something beyond nothing. I just of infinite present presence. And try as I might after that, I just could not be an atheist anymore because I knew it wasn't true. I knew that, you know, in St. Thomas Aquinas' words, which I did not know were his words at the time, the reality that everyone calls God is real. So from that point, you know, what do you do with that knowledge, right? I couldn't do nothing when you know that there is infinite eternal reality, you know, a present present, an uncreated creator. I needed to, to live in that fullness of reality somehow. But I thought Christianity was a dead question. So I didn't bother with that but I did explore other religions in the world. It was about seven years of searching until it was kind of like a shopping catalog. 
and I would go through all the religions, and if they didn't meet with what I knew to be true, one, God is real, one, all-powerful, and that, two, life is good, life is beautiful, life is not a punishment or um, an abstraction, you know, it's real and good. So in the end, the only religion that was left was Christianity. So I thought, oh, all right, I have to give, I have to give it an honest try because what I want is the truth. And so just thinking about the incarnation, you know, I had a kind of fear of the Lord that God is God and I am not. And to think that God, this one infinite, eternal, uncreated creator, chose to become a limited creature, you know, a human being like me and you, that blew my mind. I mean, it spoke about love in a more profound way than I really thought was possible. Anyway, I read the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the first part on the nature of belief, how we can come to know the reality of God in different ways. It, it spoke to me so deeply. And I knew that here was, was wisdom, was, you know, pure wisdom. And that led to my choosing Christ and his church and, you know, believing in Jesus and giving myself wholly to the fullness of reality. Do you ever, uh, during that time period where you were doing the searching for the truth, did you ever, uh, did you ever think that maybe uh, you had been shortchanged in some way that, you know, uh, the problems that you've had, you know, physically are kind of uh, why me shortchanging? Right. Um, no, not in that sense. Um, like, I wasn't even a jealous type of person. Um, I didn't look at the other people and go, why can't I be like that? Because um, I, <laughs> I have a pretty high self-esteem. Not exactly sure where that comes from. Maybe it's a gift from God. But I didn't want to be anybody else. Mm. I wanted to be me. But yet... I was so frustrated at times because I do get progressively weaker. So there were a lot of things I could do when I was a child that I couldn't do when I was a teenager, like hold a book and turn its pages or write longhand. When I was 20, I started not being able to feed myself anymore or brush my teeth or hold my head up. And that was mad, you know, just maddening and frustrating and disappointing. And of course, I really wanted to have, you know, I wanted to, to fall in love. I wanted to be a wife. I wanted very much to be a mother and to know that that was never going to be, you know, because of my severe disability and dependency. That was not a realistic uh, life for me and it wasn't going to happen. And that caused probably the most tears and frustration and sorrow in my life. I mean, it was, you know, there were a couple of brutal years. Teenage years are rough anyway. But for me, just being so continually denied, I think they were, they were hard-earned away. 
Was there ever any uh, advantage because of your confinement that you have been more open to just the beauty of the ordinary, so to speak? I think so, yes, because right from the beginning, um, you know, babies crawl around and they explore things. So if they get bored with a toy, they either crawl or toddle off to find a new toy. But I couldn't do that. So I would have to use my imagination more. So when I got bored with coloring with my crayons, you know, the crayons became little people and I would play house with them. And I would, you know, I couldn't always go and grab a book to read a story. So I would make up stories in my head. Um, you know, there'd be like a beautiful flowering crab apple tree. And I'd want to be able to, you know, take hold of those blossoms and touch them and smell them. And I think that if I could have done that, I wouldn't have really appreciated or really had the desire to do it. But because I couldn't do it, I spent more time just gazing upon that tree and filling my senses with everything that I could about the tree. And, you know, as I grew more, these experiences, I think, really broadened my, well, my imagination, but also my ability to, to just spend a long period of time gazing at a flower petal and not just looking at it on the surface, but really looking deep within to, to enjoy the fullness of its existence. You know what I mean? So it has been a gift in a way. Mm. Um, in that, and that being still, you know, be still and know that I am God. Well, I think that works in the everyday as well. You, um, it, it, it <clears throat> seems to me that your life is lived in the moment, uh, kind of shedding the past and, and inhaling what is to come in the future. Um, it's kind of a beautiful way to, you know, to go about uh, living your life. Well, I know you've been interested in writing, uh, you know, a long time. Um, what prompted you to uh, begin to write and, and blog and to share your thoughts and reflections uh, online? Uh, yes, well, I have been writing since I was little, since I was a child, since I could write. Uh, and but I've, I have kept my writings to myself. I always wrote for me because it was a great way for me to process everything that I experienced, everything that I observed. And as I grew, it even became um, a way of, you know, processing my, my spiritual searches as well, searchings. So I decided to write a blog and that was at first to get me to write, just to not be lazy and to actually sit down and write uh, and then I, in 2013, I made a personal act of consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I started a blog. I called it Divine Incarnate. Um, it is still my blog, although now I call it authorchristinachase.com. And I decided that I would document um, the consecration and and its effect on me and my you know, whatever insights that I may have gained um, through the consecration. And so that was seven years ago. Yeah. And then in, I always wanted to write a book because I love to write. 
but I just never did. It just never seemed the right book. Uh, I didn't know what to do. So in 2017, I had pneumonia. I was hospitalized with it. It was quite bad. Uh, and that was a good wake up call when I came through it. Uh, that whole year was pretty rough for me medically. And the next year in 2018, uh, actually it was a New Year's resolution that I would write a book and I made it public on my blog so that my readers would hold me to it. <laughs> I asked them, please bug me. Please keep asking me, how's the book going? Have you written anything lately? And they did, which was very kind. And so this book, It's Good to Be Here, came about through a collection of some of my blog posts that I adapted and uh, rewrote a bit, and then new reflections, focusing on this amazing reality of being alive, of being human, and how Christ, how God in the flesh, you know, is fully divine and fully human, and shows us not only who he is as God, but who we are as human beings in his incarnation. It's good to be here is the book. It's published by Sophia Institute uh, Press. And um, obviously when you write, uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there, Christina, who are struggling uh, with whatever, with addictions, with alcoholism, with, uh, you know, uh, mental and physical problems and so forth. What did you, did you have that in mind as you, as you share your reflections uh, in the book? Oh, I definitely had you know, the other in mind. Uh, you know, I am, I, I have no problem calling myself a cripple. I know it's not politically correct but um, I am quite crippled. And in a way we all are because there are so many things that we can't do simply because we are limited creatures. We're creatures, by definition, we have limitations. We are within the bounds of you know, time and space. And there are people who uh, become further limited by life choices, uh, by the kind of you know, the people that they may hang out with, the bad influences they may have on them and kind of get themselves boxed into a corner from which they feel like they can't escape, like they're stuck, like they're immobile, you know? I know a little bit about that. And so all these human experiences are what we do share in common, our limitations, our pains, our sorrows, our struggles. And I always, you know, I, as I said, I, I know that I'm loved and turning to love, I cannot help but think of divine love and knowing that God, all powerful, chose to enter into those human struggles himself in the flesh. You know, Jesus was, he was weak, he was helpless, you know, in the womb, in the manger, he was dependent and he knew fatigue and pain. He knew ridicule and he also knew suffering, great suffering. And he willingly experienced that all 
all of that, even, you know, being nailed to a cross, being made immobile you know, by cruelty and greed and fear. And he did that all for love because there's nothing that God will let us do or allow us to suffer that he isn't willing to suffer himself. And he did that in the flesh to not only prove the profound depths of his love for us, but to really reach into every every dark, deep place that we may, you know, pit really, that we may find ourselves in. You know, a grudge, um, an addiction, uh, a pain, a suffering, a loss, and reach down in there to be intimately with us and when we turn to him, then we have his strength to, to rise, to rise up from that, that, that darkness, that pit into the light, the light of love in receiving his love and in giving love to others. You know, when we stop being self-centered and we really think about the other and try to give of ourselves to the other, we, in a way, we become, we become more than what we were before. Our hearts get bigger, our lives get bigger, our loves get bigger, um, because it's God who is reaching into us and living through us. That's just beautiful. Just beautiful, Christina. Um, are you still writing or are, have you got another book planned? Uh, where, do, where do you go from here? Well, I do write weekly on my blog, authorchristinajays.com, and I do have a couple of books in mind that I'm working on currently. Uh, one, and they're both about you know being human. One is about the amazing reality of the very beginning of our human lives, those first nine months of development in utero. And that is a book that is designed for um, junior high, high school students. And of course, I would like to write about my my conversion and. Um, my life with disability and my my finding of truth um, in a in a longer form. It is covered somewhat in it's good to be here. You know, the reflections reflections on my own little life alongside the reflections on the life of Christ. But to have another book that would be more of a memoir is also planned. Mm -hmm. That's terrific. That's terrific. Give me an idea of a day in the life. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I wrote most of my uh, books um, in, uh, uh, you know, four hour blocks on Saturday morning, you know, sitting at the computer and uh, because everything seemed to be uh, less confusing on Saturday morning. How do you how do you kind of how do you chunk out your time? You know, a lot of people always say they want to write a book, but very few people do. Christina, what how do you how do you go about it? What's a day in a life might look like in terms of. <laughs> Of, uh, of just everyday life and then in terms of how it fits into uh, your beautiful writing? Uh, well, a lot of my daily life is taken up with survival. <laughs> uh, I need a lot of care. My parents are my main caregivers and I also have some outside professional help that come in. Only a few hours a week, really, not that much because my parents do everything, really. They're amazing. I love my parents. Um, so, as I said, a lot of my day is about being able to 
eat and digest properly. Um, even just toileting takes a lot longer because I need to use a bedpan. And I'm not afraid to say that because I think that we, we fear those kind of things a little too much. We think that be, being dependent is somehow degrading. It isn't. It's just another way of living. Um, so I really don't have that much time to write. Uh, I compose a lot in my head. Um, thinking, my favorite thing to do in the whole world is think. So I will be resting on my bed because I have to lie down to rest often. And I'll just think, think about big questions, think about little things. And then when I'm able to sit at the computer, usually about an hour in the morning, and then another two hours or more if I'm pushing myself, and I probably shouldn't, in the afternoon. And that's when I do, that's when I do everything. You know, pay my bills, uh, check up on correspondences, do research. Um, I've taken a few online enrichment courses in theology, uh, you know, uh, connect with the Catholic Writers Guild, uh, and, and also write, of course. So in writing the book, the priority became writing the book. Everything else had to be on the side. So even, uh, I think you did this too, I think, you know, your blog, you kind of, you pre-schedule hmm. some posts for your blog. Oh, so yeah. you don't have to think about that or worry about that. Uh, the people that were used to hearing from me more often heard from me less. Um, but the end result just, uh, ended up in it's good to be here. We ended up in this beautiful, wonderful book. Uh, Christina, this has been uh, been a, a really, really enjoyable time we've spent together. I thank you so much for uh, coming on with me here on the, the Storytellers. The book is published by Sophia Institute Press. It's available uh, where all good books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your favorite local Catholic bookstore. You can find her book, A Disabled Woman's Reflection on God in the Flesh and the Sacred Wonder of Being Human. Christina, thank you so much for being with us here on The Storytellers. Thank you very much, Tony, and God bless. And that's our show for today. My thanks to Christina Chase for being with us. Her website, author Christina Chase. Dot com. The program premieres at 6 p.m. Wednesday evenings on YouTube on the Fiat Ministry Network and at TonyAgnesi.com and the radio program on the Living Bread Radio Network, Sundays at 4. That's our show. Thank you for being with us. This is Tony Agnesi. Until next time, God bless. Patchwork Heart Ministry is committed to sowing hope into broken hearts by helping young people encounter the love of Jesus Christ and His Catholic Church through prayer, storytelling, and media initiatives. We invite you to prayerfully consider supporting this mission financially. 
Mail your tax-deductible donation to Patchwork Heart Ministry at P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, zip code 53147, or visit patchworkheart.org to donate online. That's Patchwork Heart Ministry, P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 53147, or online at patchworkheart.org.